You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Hello, Journey. I am so sorry I can't be with you today. I'm currently traveling to take my daughter, Kala Joy, to serve as a missionary in Australia. But I wanted to just take a minute to introduce this new series that starts today, as well as introduce our guest speaker. In the New Testament of the Bible, there's a man named Saul. Saul was one of the most aggressive people against the rise of Christianity. In the book of Acts, we learn about the birth of the church. And in Acts chapter two, we see the church grow and glow like never before. God poured out his spirit on his people and it was glorious. The quick rise of Christianity sadly brought a new wave of persecution against the church. One of the main leaders of this persecution was a man named Saul. In Acts chapter eight, it records how vicious Saul was against Christians. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Saul was adamantly against Christ's followers until the day he actually encountered Christ himself. And just like so many of us have radically changed once we encountered Jesus, that's exactly what happened to Saul. Not only did his life change, but so did his name. He went from Saul to Paul. He went from persecuting the church to building the church. He went from church destroyer to church planner. Paul was so passionate about his newfound love for Jesus that nothing could stop him from talking about it. Not prison and not even the threat of death. Paul ended up being arrested at least three different times and serving at least five to six years in jail. Although the Bible does not say how Paul died, we see in 2 Timothy 4, Paul seemed to be anticipating his soon demise. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Knowing that at any moment death was around the corner just for speaking the name of Jesus, you would think that Paul would be overcome with fear or anxiety, but instead Paul was overcome with joy. Joy is the theme of the book of Philippians, a book that Paul wrote from jail. I'm excited for us to unpack the book of Philippians in this series, Glow and Tell. I'm excited to tap into that same source of joy Paul had in an ancient jail cell. I'm excited for many of you to find hope in the midst of your darkness. Today, a friend of mine is gonna kick off this series. His name is Pastor David Vaughn. Pastor David is the best friend of our previous lead pastor, Pastor John Hampton. Pastor David has been a longtime friend of Journeys and I'm so grateful for him to come and share as we dive into week one of Glow and Tell. Journey, would you please give a big Journey welcome to Pastor David Vaughn. Well, hello, Journey, Journey Online, Lake County, welcome. Man, I'm hearing some great stuff about this church, Lake County, too. I was last here January for John Hampton, my best buddy's send-off, 
Some of y'all got a little better looking since I was here last time. Some of y'all not. Uh, maybe it's me, but I bring you greetings from, from my best buddy and your pastor emeritus, John Hampton. Uh, he thinks of you. Amen. Clap for him. He thinks of you. He goes on and on and on about journey this and journey that and journey that. I am keeping him. I know he misses you. And he's looking forward to seeing you again early next year. Uh, but I'm keeping him busy. He is not bored. I mean, he's watching a little football, playing a little golf. But I'm keeping him busy writing, speaking, coaching pastors and churches. Uh, I started a, a ministry coaching organization called Devon Consulting. John is with me. And here's what we do. We'll go to places uh, like Top Golf and host 30 to 40 pastors. We give them bacon, Bible, and a buddy. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Anytime you can come, and John will speak about church health and church growth and how a pastor is taking care, self-care, soul care. Anytime you can combine golf and me and John and God, it's a great thing. And so I'm keeping him busy. You, you will be astounded with the things that he's telling. Thank you for treating him so well and even giving him this year uh, a way to kind of transition to uh, another thing. And one of the clients that we work for just got a million dollar grant for us to keep doing that even more. And I've deployed John to speak on preaching and soul care for pastors. Could there be any better fit for a grant and a topic and a, a deployment than that for John? But I know he misses you and you are blessed to have Pastor John. But can I tell you this? You're blessed to have Pastor Dustin and TJ as well. I, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Dustin is clutch. I, I know that was your next your last series, right? David, he's he's clutch. He's not on the golf course, but he's a clutch lead pastor. And as a student myself of pastoral successions and transitions. I got to tell you, I got to commend you. You are the example. You are the sterling example of how to pass the baton. And you guys are leading the way. It is special what God is doing here. Please do not take it for granted. Not every church succession goes that way. It takes humility from the guy that's transitioning off, John, which you've got. It takes humility from Pastor Dustin coming on. It's good stuff. You've got a great team. You've got great momentum. I know. I go all over looking and talking to churches. It's not always this way, so don't take it for granted. You have a lot to be joyful and to glow and tell and go and tell a lot. Also, I found out your executive pastor, Kevin Monahan, it's his 50th birthday today. Did y'all know this? 50. It's all downhill after 50. I'm just telling you. Anyway, say hey to Kevin. Tell him happy birthday as well. But as Pastor Dustin shared in the video, the Apostle Paul, man, what a special man of God he was. Next to Jesus, the person who was the most formative in the early church's theology and practice was this writer, theologian, leader, missionary, and apostle who was Saul, who became Paul. And you would think that because he was the super apostle, because he was so gifted and so godly and so wonderful in the kingdom, that he would somehow escape persecution, problems, turmoil. Yet despite being qualified as an inductee, literally into the Christian Hall of Fame, 
What we're going to find out if you read his life and you read today, listen, he is not immune from persecution, sickness, and trouble. He wrote this over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, this is the verse that kind of kept me going in the ministry for decades. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Is that not true? Some of y'all who are young in the faith, and I see a lot of baby Christians here, hundreds of baptisms here, it's wonderful. You may think that once you become a Christian, all your problems are over. Hello. I'm telling you, those of us who are older will tell you, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better because the devil had you before, and he's hopping mad that he doesn't have you now. I found out a long time ago that the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. Disney's close here, but Disney World is not the real world. It's expensive too, but Disney World is not the real world. And I know we can kind of feel sorry for ourselves. Maybe you kind of feel sorry for yourself, thinking, oh, woe is me. I've got people. Anybody here enter the room, you've got some people problems? you got some people just getting under your skin, driving you over the ever-loving edge of your life? you got any EGR, extra grace required people in your life? If you don't have any, you are the EGR person. I I was (laughs) saying to you, but we are really not that persecuted in the U.S. when you think about it. Not compared to the rest of the world. Dustin is on, you know, going with his daughter there, Calajoy, to to Australia. This is a great missionary-sending church. But compared to those who lived in the New Testament and other parts of the world, I, I remind pastors of this all the time. Yes, ministry is tough, and it's true. It's never been harder to be a pastor than it is right now. But we get paid in America to do what others are getting killed for, shot for in other parts of the world. So it's kind of good to right-size your persecution and your attitude about your problems. But David, they talk so bad about me on social media. Oh, (laughs) David, they unfriended me on Facebook. Oh, they're criticizing me at work and school. Oh. Criticism is a price tag of growth and health and happiness. I found out a long time ago, the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. You keep that in mind, because this church is off and running. And don't you think, if you talk to the leaders here, they're still not getting criticism, even though it's going better. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And no more is that seen that in the book of Philippians, the book we're going to cover for this whole series, and the town that that book was named for, Philippi. So today I want to delve into that book, specifically chapter 1, and explore the theme of joy in persecution and perseverance. Joy in perseverance, persecution and perseverance. They go hand in hand. I want to prepare you that the Christian life, again, is not easy. Not just anybody can do it. I applaud you. And in this little mighty letter of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, writing from prison, encourages the believers in Philippi to find joy in life and faith despite challenging people, problems, and persecutions. The theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Joy or rejoicing is found 16 times in this little book of 104 verses. Someone said that Philippians is the most joyful book in the Bible. And joy is such an important attribute to nurture. Even if you have to fake it, I've been going around telling people, just fake it if you're not happy. Because I'm done with Christians who are not happy. Mealy, cynical, mean. That's not who you are. Fake it if you have to, because fake joy is better than genuine depression. I can tell you right now. (laughs) 
And if you don't express your joy, it'll go down and seep out of your hips. I'm just telling you, it builds up. That's why Glow and Tell is the perfect series title and the perfect subject for this. So let's jump in, Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to show you an example of joy and persecution where you needed perseverance. Over in Philippians 1, verse number 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, we could say if this was written to uh, the Journey Church, John and Dustin, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, those are the elders, and deacons. So all of the church staff, all of the leaders in that church, Paul is sending greetings to God's holy people here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, I read this verse 3, this next verse, and I think it applies to me and the way I view you. I thank my God every time I remember you. That's true. I retired uh, about after a 20-year ministry in Cincinnati, and now I'm living in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, I'm getting a little farther south. Grits and God and guns. I think that's pretty much Charleston. But anyway, I love Charleston. I love it. And I attended a church there. But let me tell you something. This church, Journey Church, is kind of my pseudo-home church. Oh, I've got a church in Whitewater, and I've got churches at other places I preach. But when I read this verse, I kind of think of you. I remember Journey. I thank God every time I think of you, how you've treated my best friend, how you've done succession and transition so well, how you're dreaming big dreams, how you haven't missed a step in your transition. In fact, you've sped up and done things that were unbelievable that others haven't done. In all my prayers, he says, for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. That's how I pray. That's the common theme of this book. Because of your partnership with the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then skip down to verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Well, what happened to Paul? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We're going to find that out in just a minute. Something happened to him, and he wanted you to know about it. This is a sidebar, but in this age and stage of coarse dialogue, of people not even in the church being able to argue about politics, I am so glad I retired before the next election. But you got some pastors who haven't. Quit arguing about politics. It's not helping the church. But I've been kind of talking to people, and every once in a while, have you ever done this? I'll say to, after seeing a person's behavior, what's wrong with you? Have you ever found yourself saying that? That does not help good communication and relationship. So I have switched that question. I've reframed it. And I encourage you, it'll help you in your family. It'll help you with your work. Instead of asking what's wrong with you, Ask this, what happened to you? It implies, it assumes someone abused them. Someone uh, took them for granted. Someone did something to them that broke them. It assumes that they really want to do the right thing, but something got in their way. What a heel, a hurt, a hang up, right? What happened to you? And Paul uses that same thing here. Let me tell you about what has happened to me. That was free. You didn't even have to pay for that. That wasn't even, there there you go. 
As a result, it has become clear because of what happened to me throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now remember that word, chains. It's a dominant theme of today. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They they were emboldened to go and glow and tell. So let's unpack for a few minutes here. Let me sit down. From Acts chapter 16, we read what happened, what happened to Paul. I want to show you what happened because there's some parallels to what happened to Paul in Philippi in Acts 16. The very story we're going to study is in the city that this letter was written to. This is what happened, and he didn't, not everybody knew it. Maybe you don't know it. Paul is traveling on this missionary journey. Again, Christians are always missionary going, glowing, telling people. He sees this vision of a man of Macedonia, a certain area where he was traveling, asking him, bidding him, begging him to come over and minister, which was the area of of Philippi. He traveled to Philippi, which was a Roman colony. It was a leading city of that district of Macedonia. He stayed there a while. As soon as he got to town, he met this really high-capacity woman named Lydia, who was in the city of Thyatira. She was a dealer, it says, in purple cloth. Oh, man, she she was a go-getter. She was not only a woman of God, she was a wealthy woman of God. You know, God God calls wealthy people, too. I don't know if you know that. Poverty glorifies nobody. But we have wealthy people, we have poor people. All of that is a big amalgamation in the church. But he meets this woman named Lydia. And then it says in verse 16, once, Paul says, him and his buddy Silas are traveling around, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave. Now write that down. I have a new awareness for slavery. I, 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 again, I'm pretty white, pretty bald, pretty old. But there's a whole other story about what happened to you. I live in Charleston. I found out in my tours of Charleston that there were more slaves bought and sold in the port of Charleston than any other port in the United States of America back in the day. I, I, there's a lot that happened there that I need to familiarize myself with. It's what happened to them. But here we have, slavery is not a a new thing. It's been going on for centuries. We have a female slave who had a spirit, has an evil spirit, by which she predicted the future. Would you like to have that spiritual gift? I, I don't think you would. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she maybe she did seances, maybe she did tarot card, whatever she did. This woman is a demon-possessed fortune teller. This is the person that Paul and Silas happened to meet. Now, I want you to notice something as they deal with this woman. It's, again, another insight into how you should view people here in Orlando and, and all around you. Paul and Silas chose, as did Jesus, by the way, chose to see this woman not as an enemy, but a victim of the enemy. There's a difference. I've stopped seeing people as enemies. Oh, I know there's some enemies of Christ out there. I've started to see people as victim of the enemy. They just don't know it. And she is a card-dealing, fortune-telling witch, basically. In our church in Cincinnati one day, the staff came and said, hey, there's a gal that's been coming. She's kind of a white witch. She's in the Wicca movement. 
She can foretell the future. Her mother is the head of the coven in Cincinnati, and she's kind of the heir apparent. She's a successor. That's a succession plan I didn't want to see happen. Jesus, she says she's coming to church. She's asking questions. This Wicca gal woman decides she wanted to be baptized. And the staff said, David, we, we've talked to the staff. We think you should baptize her, not us. <laughs> I think they were afraid the water was going to boil or something. That's what I think. <laughs> and I remember this wonderful woman came forward, lots of baggage. Again, what happened to you? I saw her as not an enemy, but a victim of the enemy. And I remember the service where I baptized her and the water didn't boil. And when I put her down, I said, you are not a Wicca, you're a witness of Jesus. I brought her up. It was an unbelievable moment in ministry. Now, don't you think our church got a little excited about that when that word went out? This is the same thing happened in the book of Acts. When the church is working right, that's the kind of stuff that happens. People are notorious. People who are in prison, spiritual and physical, they come out. Well, notice this woman. She followed Paul. And the rest of us shouting, this would be annoying after a while. Woman's following you around. These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days, which is kind of startling. She is telling the truth. And this is before she got healed. She said, these men are, you ought to pay attention to them. They're telling you the way to get saved. Even a broken clock is right two times a day. She gets this right. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. I mean, he's, get, he's tired of getting pestered by this woman following around. He kind of does a little mercy healing, really. He is so annoyed. I looked up the original language for annoyed. It means ticketh offeth. That's, I think that might be the King James. I, you might want to check that. I, I, anyway, he became so ticketh off it, that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her instant. Now you would think everybody would be excited about that. This woman is free. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. Now let me stop there. Do you think these people cared about her? The owners? No. They could care less about her. Be very careful that you don't put pennies above people. You use money to help people. You don't use people to make money. She was just a commodity, a transaction. But Paul said, hey, wait a minute. There's a transformation that needs to happen here. So they're not happy. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them, it says, into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Now, I did research this word, uproar. It's not the, the, like the ticket off, but this is the truth. The word literally means riot. They caused the city to go into riot. In fact, the next chapter, Acts 17 in Thessalonica, they use the same word, riot. I've been studying Paul and the way he operated when he went on his missionary journeys. Whenever Paul went to a town, let me tell you two things happened. There was a riot or a revival or both. Let me ask you a question. When you move to a new town, do you think it'd be a riot because of your power of Jesus in your life? Because of the joy in your life? 
Would there be a revival? Would people so be so upset with you because you're sharing the good news of Jesus that they throw you in jail and, and beat you up, which is what happened here. The crowd, it says, joined in the attack because they were advocating customs unlawful for Romans. They crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. These guys took a beating. <laughs> kind of like the Kentucky Wildcats that John and I love put a beating on the Gators last Saturday. It was all... We don't want to talk about the Kentucky game yesterday, but anyway... I had to say that for Dustin, down under. I know he's watching. But after they had been severely flogged, now we're going beyond stripped and beaten now. Flogged is the word and the concept and the punishment they did with Jesus. This is filleting the back. I mean, this is a significant, people died just from flogging. And they were thrown into jail. So backs bleeding and the jailer was commanded to give them care, to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, not the outer cell where the misdemeanor people were, the dark, the dank, inner cell, and fastened their feet in the stocks. Their back is filleted, their feet are bound in stocks. Not a joyful place, would you agree? Yet amazingly, they're joyful. Amazingly, the persecution, because of their perseverance, has not drained their joy. See, it's not your position, it's your disposition that God looks at. Some of y'all may be in a tough situation, not this tough, but you may be in the dark and the dank cell in prison or bondage yourself. Where is God? At midnight, it says in the next verse, it may be midnight for some of you in this room or watching online. At midnight, Paul and Silas were cussing and posting negative things on faith. Is that what it says? What are they doing? Praying and singing to God, singing hymns to God. I wonder what songs they were singing. Maybe it was like the one we sung today, Hope Has a Name. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Maybe they were Swifties and they sang Shake It Off. I, I don't See, I know, I'm relevant, I'm cutting edge, I'm a Swifty, I, I got it. They were singing hymns, they're probably psalms, hallelujahs. They were singing hymns to God, and notice what else? The other prisoners were listening to them. Friend, I know that there's some unchurched people, you have neighbors and family and friends who are watching you. When things go good, they, it's easy to watch you. Can I just tell you, give you a little clue on your witnessing? People are never more interested in your testimony and in your Jesus than when you're suffering. They're watching you closely. Are they going to give up on their faith? Are they the real deal? Is that what's it going to take to make them quit? Oh, they're very interested when you suffer. Your testimony to glow and go and tell is powerful. But they were listening to them. And suddenly it says, God does sudden stuff when we hang in. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. This is the original jailhouse rock right here. The, fa the jokes don't get any better, I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains, everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. That would wake you up. 
And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He knew I might as well just take my life because the punishment that he would get for letting these guys uh, go, he would get killed himself, executed himself. So I might as well just take matters into my own hands. He thought the prisoners were safe, but Paul shouted, had to shout, it was dark. He shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Isn't this ironic? Paul used to be the guy throwing people in prison for Jesus. Now he's the one getting thrown in prison for Jesus. And notice he has compassion on this jailer. This guy just beat them and put him in this inner cell. Why could Paul do that? Number one, he had joy. Number two, he saw people not as an enemy, but a victim of the enemy. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let me just pause right here. You know what that last part is? Life's most important question. Let me just pause right here. If you have not answered that question, that's why this church exists. What must I do to be saved? Oh, I know you got some important questions right now. If you're younger to, you know, who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to school? Where am I going to work? So y'all think you got big questions. Who's going to win the game next week? Who's going to win the election here in, in, in a couple of years? Who's going to be the speaker of the house? <laughs> this is life's most important question. The other are pikers compared to this. Get this answered today. What my, you can come up front after the service, sirs, gals. What must I do to be saved? It trumps every... That's not a good way to put it. Um, (laughs) I didn't even do that on purpose. Anyway, it's the most important question. It trumps all other questions that you will ask in your life. What must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your whole household. So it starts with a belief. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. So they've got a, 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 how can I put this? They've got a willing audience with this guy's network, his family, which is the best and easiest network of people for you to share your testimony with too. They, t- they spoke to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, talk about immediately, right then, the jailer took them and washed their wounds then immediately he and all his household were baptized. They went all in for Jesus. And I know you've had hundreds of baptisms here. Praise God. It is interesting, that change of a word there. He washed their bodies. That's the physical washing. But then the baptism comes next, a spiritual washing, a way of sin. The jail, then they do what you should do after you get baptized, eat. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with... Joy. There's our theme. Not only are Paul and Silas full of joy, the jailer now is filled with joy. A chain reaction has occurred all through the story because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. The rest of the story. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. This is my favorite part of the story other than the baptism part. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now they want to come get rid of us quietly. No, 
Let them come themselves and escort us out. Paul talking some smack here. I, I love it. <laughs> a- apostolic smack. He's like Coach Prime. I mean, he's like t- telling it like it is. Isn't it interesting that the more you're persecuted and God delivers you, the bolder you become? What are you going to do with Paul? What could they do with Paul? Beat him, stone him, imprison him. He's not going to quit. Kill him. Please do, Paul might say. I've been wanting to go to heaven for a while. Better to be up there than down here with you losers. Well, he might not have said that. Anyway, what do you do with a guy who's already dead? He died to self. Let them come. Escort us out. So the officers reported to this, to the magis, this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. <laughs> I guess. Why, hello. Why were they alarmed? If you punish a Roman citizen, beat them, imprison them without a trial, oh, all heck was going to break loose on you. So these guys are concerned. They should be alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. I love this. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house. Remember Lydia, wealthy woman, dealer in purple, fire tire, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. So they went to her house. They have a house church. Then they left. And so now the church planting core group of this new little church in the city of Philippi, the core startup group of this startup church consists of a wealthy woman named Lydia, a demon, formerly demon-possessed fortune teller, and a suicidal jailer and his family. You know what? I think you qualify to be in the church. (laughs) God doesn't always call the qualified. He qualifies the called. They were qualified to go and tell. You're qualified to go and tell. All right, back to Philippians chapter 1 to finish the message and the chapter. This little, again, the theme is joy. Paul says this in verse number 27. Now you know what happened to Paul. Remember? That's how I set that up. He said, we wrote to tell you what happened to us with our change. Now you know. And this will be my message, my closing words to you here at Journey. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. This would be true for Pastor John Hampton too. Whether I come and see you or only hear about you, make us proud. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Stand firm in one spirit. Unity is going to be real important right now for journey. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Go and tell, glow and tell. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God. Now check out this right here. Check out this next slide. This is the sign he's talking about. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to what? Suffer Suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. You are called to Christ, which means you're called to suffer for Christ. Do not think it's weird when you suffer. I predict in coming days Christians are going to suffer more. There'll be more people thrown in jail because of Jesus and his standards, not less. So we want to say, show me your stars. Jesus says, show me your scars. 
We want to say, show me your gains. Jesus wants to say, show me your chains. So, you know, you, you're all going to heaven, hopefully. We're going to meet people who really did suffer for Jesus. What are you going to say? What, are, what am I going to say? When we get up? I'm so glad that the persecution I have had in my life, at least I'll go to Christ not as like some kind of trust fund baby that didn't earn it. But I, when I, you talk to Noah and Job and all these other people who really did endure stuff, I may have something to say. That's what Philippians chapter 1 is about. So journey, as you reach, as you serve, as you develop, which is wonderful, wonderful strategy, demonstrate and deliver joy. How, how might you apply this message from this bald-headed South Carolinian who loves you very much? How would you apply that today and this week? May I have one suggestion for you? It's very simple. I challenge you this week to model personal joy every day as you glow and tell. Model personal joy every day as you glow and tell. Some people will wake up tomorrow and, and they're Christians, but they're not happy. You know this, right? Some of you oh my gosh, the alarm's off. It's going to be a horrible day. You're mealy-mouthed and negative, even though you're supposed to be happy. You know, some people are happy, they just haven't told their face. Well, tell your face, tell your mind, tell your heart. Be like, respond like Paul and Silas. When persecution and problems come in your life this week, and they're coming, they're waiting for you tomorrow morning when you wake up. They're waiting for you when you leave the church parking lot, maybe. When they come your way, say, hey, I remember what that bald preacher told me Sunday. This is my opportunity to glow and tell. I'm going to be happy in spite of my circumstances. I'm not going to throw this pity party Woe is me. Here's the bad thing about a pity party. No matter who you invite, only the devil shows up. So quit being pitiful. Be joyful. Model personal joy every day as you glow and tell. Wouldn't it be cool if the Journey Church was known as the most joyful church in Orlando? Do you think that would attract anybody? Oh, yeah, they got growth pains. They got some problems. They're not perfect. But God, lead those people are happy. They celebrate. They rejoice. And that's what Glow and Tell is all about. And if I could just speak to some of you who maybe entered the building here who don't even know about this Christian stuff, and you're, after hearing me, you're sure not sure about me even. Could I just pose a question to you? Have you asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Sir? What must I do to be saved? It might be midnight and you may be in bondage, in prison of some hurt, habit, or hang-up. God can set you free if you just ask that question, what must I do to be saved? Doesn't mean everything's going to be cake from then on, but boy, you got a band of brothers and sisters in this church that love you very much. And after the service, there's a whole team of people down here to help you answer that question. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the wonderful team you have put in place here at Journey. I pray for the leaders. I pray for my buddy, Pastor John, as he is in such a, an awesome, wonderful season in his life. And thank you for him and Melinda. And my wife, Donna, and I rejoice in what we are seeing here. And I just continue to lift up Pastor Dustin and TJ. I pray, God, that you would be with their entire family and help this church to be known as 
a church of joy. God, may they rejoice. And every day this week, it'll be an opportunity to go and tell. So we thank you for the one who really did suffer for us so that our chains could be cast off and we could be free forever. We thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.